Hello and welcome to Bill's Facebook lessons. Uh, before we get into the uh, exact lesson, I did promise a song at the beginning and I also promised that you may not be expecting it. What I didn't promise is that you may not even like it, but here goes. Na 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 na, you say it's my birthday. Na 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 na, I'm gonna have a good time. Na 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 na, I'm glad it's my birthday. Na 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 na, happy birthday to me. Okay, well, that's enough of that. Um, so, yes, it is my birthday, May the 2nd, and a lot of you have already wished me happy birthday through the magic and wonder of Facebook and text messaging and other ways. So thanks a bunch. I appreciate that, and I, I hope that you weren't expecting a wonderful, nice, little, soft, uh, uh, contemporary or classic Christian song, and instead you got a classic Beatles song. So there you go. Uh, thanks for the birthday wishes. My cousin Gail just chimed in on that one, and I appreciate that. Uh, thanks to all. I'm, uh, I've never met a birthday that I didn't like. It's something about being the center of attention or something. I'm not sure what that is. But at any rate, uh, I appreciate the great blessings that I have all my life. And many of you uh, have offered those wonderful warm wishes today. And I want all of you to know that you are a great blessing uh, to me. And I'm thankful for good health, for wonderful family uh, for good friends, for a wonderful church family and home, and it's just a, a great blessing. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, Eric and Cindy chimed in and said, you look so young today. Well, um, you know, I finally look my age. I've, I've looked like I was in my 60s for 30 years, so I'm finally caught up. It's awesome. People say I haven't changed in decades, and they're right, and I'm I'm, I, I love it. it it's, it's wonderful. Well, I want us to do have a lesson today on my birthday. And as we, you know, we've been looking at uh, devotional books this year, uh, one by Timothy and Kathy Keller on the Psalms on Thursdays. But on uh, Tuesdays, we're looking at My Utmost for His Highest, a uh, classic devotional book, daily devotional book by uh, Oswald Chambers. I've got to say that neither of those two authors unfortunately, mentioned on the May the 2nd reading that it was Bill Allen's birthday. And so not sure I'm going to keep, well, yeah, yeah, you know where I'm going with that. I do want us to look at a couple of days readings. It was this past week, actually yesterday and today from Oswald Chambers, because it talks about some subjects that I think are pretty uh, appropriate for uh, all of us in these days. And they contrast faith and emotion. And uh, then they also contrast uh, patience with indifference. And in the midst of all of that, there is this uh, call to uh, live uh, somewhat of a disciplined life based on the vision that we receive from God's word. Um, so the first section talks about faith versus emotion. What's your, your Christianity based on? If it's based on emotion and how you feel, then likely you're not going to survive. In fact, Jesus, when he talks about those, that parable of the sower and the soils, I think it's more the parable of the soils, but both have applications, obviously, and the seed is the word of God. But he talks about that seed that's thrown out among the rocks. And he says the rocks, they, they do great, and except they don't have any foundation. They don't have any root. They don't have time to take root. And so then because of that, when the uh, heat comes, they can't survive. And that's the, that's the thing about a faith that's based on emotion. 
a Christian life that's based on how we feel. It comes and goes, and it doesn't have roots and foundation. Because you have to draw deep when it's dry outside, <laughs> when there's when there's um, uh, no no relief from the difficulties. So uh, uh, Paul in Second Corinthians five verse seven has that great statement: "We walk by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. One day it'll be sight, but that's not today. Right now it's we live by faith, and that means we have to trust in the one in whom our faith is. We don't trust in our faith; we trust in the source of our faith, our God Himself." Uh, when God begins to use us in his work, uh, sometimes we uh, get a little bit discouraged. And sometimes we don't see those mountaintop experiences that God brings us occasionally. And, and that can't be what our faith is based on because those aren't always here. In fact, there are a few of those. The majority of time we are working faithfully, serving the Lord, uh, every single day, every single moment. Uh, Chambers writes, none of us would be hidden spiritually if we could help it. <laughs> I like that. None of us would be hidden spiritually if we could help it. We would always want God's attention to be upon us, just like a little child wants to, look at me, Daddy, look at me. I don't know how many times I heard that, or you did. I know. And that's because that's what a child wants. They They crave that attention from anybody and certainly from their parents especially. And so we want God to, uh, to be watching us and to give us those wonderful spiritual experiences. But the truth is he's always there with us. He's always watching us even when we can't feel his presence, when it doesn't seem like it. And that is when faith is really faith. Um, uh, Chambers says a self-assured saint is of no value to God. We are here not as immature angels, but as men and women to do the work of this world, to do the work of God in this world. If we continually try to bring back those exceptional moments of inspiration, it is a sign that it is not God we want. We are becoming obsessed with the moments when God did come and speak with us, and we are insisting that he do it again. But what God wants us to do is to walk by faith. And I think that's exactly right. What do you crave today? What's your Christian uh, life built upon? Hopefully it's built upon faith. Hopefully it's built upon the Lord. And it's not one of those things where you just have to go from one great moment to another or else you're going to fall away. I love those great moments. I, I, I need them. But if I need them all the time and every day, then that's not faith. All that is is something that makes me feel better. And if you read the Bible at all, <laughs> you know, you probably have asked yourself, wow, God, you don't seem to care about how your people feel at all. Because sometimes they, we go through things that are very difficult. And the greatest heroes in the Bible did the same, even Jesus himself. Um, then comes our surprise and we find ourselves exclaiming, well, he was there all the time and I just never knew it. When our trust is in the Lord, and not in the wonderful experiences that we have occasionally, then we realize, wow, he's right there with me all the time, all the time, and maybe even closer and more attentive when we're going through the difficulties. Uh, never live for those exceptional moments, Chambers writes. They are surprises. God will give us his touches of inspiration. We must never consider those moments, however, as the standard way of life. 
Our work is our standard. He calls us to be faithful to him and to do his will every single day. Um, no matter how we feel, <laughs> no matter how we feel, that's the life of a disciplined person. A person that says, God, I'm going to keep trusting in you even if I don't understand you right now. I'm going to keep trusting in you even if I don't feel like doing your work. If I know it's the right thing to do, then I'm going to do it. That's kind of a behavioral approach. I understand that we need to be genuine and sincere in our faith and not hypocritical, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about saying when you know it's the right thing to do, then you do that. You do that. And you don't look to heaven and you say, God, you haven't given me one of those mountaintop experiences in a while. I'm not sure I'm going to keep following you. Do you listen to yourself? Would you be willing to say that out loud? I don't think any of us would. Habakkuk was one who questioned God. I love the story of Habakkuk. Those three chapters, I've preached them and taught them many times, and they are so wonderful. They're so wonderful. It's in Habakkuk that we read for the first time, my righteous one will live by faith in chapter 2. And that's when Habakkuk had questioned God real seriously. And he had asked God, how come you're not disciplining your people? All the, the Jews, they're, they're going crazy and immorality and, and idolatry and you just act like it doesn't matter. And God says, well, don't worry. I'm going to bring in the Babylonians, that ruthless, pagan, cruel, selfish people. And I'm going to use them to discipline my people. And Habakkuk says, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. You can't do that. A just God would not do that. You can't allow the more uh, righteous to suffer at the hands of the less righteous. Habakkuk nearly says that literal thing. And God says, well, Habakkuk, you're never going to be able to quite understand this one. But my righteous one will live by faith. Basically, Habakkuk, you're going to have to trust me on this one. And that's what faith is. Chambers writes about patience versus indifference. And he says this, patience is not the same as indifference. Patience conveys the idea of someone who is tremendously strong and able to withstand all assaults. It's kind of like Jesus saying, blessed are the meek, not blessed are the weak, but blessed are the meek. Uh, they're the ones that shall be inherit the earth. They're the ones that are the faithful ones. That's the way Jesus was. Uh, he was meek. And there were many others that rejected him because that's not what they looked for in the Messiah. But that's what Jesus was. And that's what the Old Testament, all the prophets said would happen, especially that great 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Um, and when they finally figured that out after his resurrection, after his ascension, when the Holy Spirit came and they put it all together, then they realized that this is what was supposed to happen all along. Patience is not the same as indifference. I'll read that again. Patience conveys the idea of someone who is tremendously strong and able to withstand all assaults. So after God cautions Habakkuk to uh, be righteous because of faith, not because God, he understands everything about what's going on in God's world, uh, Habakkuk says, I'll, I'll wait for it. I'll wait for it. God had told him to do that in chapter 2, and at the end of chapter 3, he says, you know, even if I don't see God's presence anywhere, even if he's not blessing me like I expect him to or want him to, I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll still hope. And I'll do that uh, with faith. And that's what patience, faithful patience is. Moses endured not because of his devotion uh, to his principles of what was right, nor because of his sense of duty to God, but because he had a vision of God. And I, I think that's right. 
You look at Proverbs 29, verse 18, and in the King James Version, which I love this translation, it's not right, but I love it. Without vision, people perish. And yet that's not exactly what the translation should be. Uh, the other translations are pretty quick to correct that. And I think especially when we look at uh, what God does and what the NIV says, what some of the other versions say. Um, the NIV, for example, where, um, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And that's different. The vision needs to be there, but it's talking about a vision from God. It's talking about God's prophetic word. It's talking about the word of God. Emphasis, the emphasis of the passage is on God's word, giving us instruction, giving us discipline, giving us vision of how we should live. And, and that's different than what people think, I believe. Uh, Christ endured as seeing uh, the one who was there, even though he answered his prayer with a no in the garden. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done, God said. Uh, the writer of Hebrews looks back at Moses and his, and his faith and Abraham and Sarah and all the others. And he says they endured because they saw him who was invisible. That's, that's a contradiction, isn't it? But that's faith. We see him who is invisible. And we trust in the one that doesn't necessarily answer every one of our prayers with a yes. We trust in him even when we're not on the mountain peak having one of those great spiritual experiences. But when we're down in the dust and, and just as so many of the Psalms, we, we realize that we look to God and we trust in him during those times. That'll be the focus of our readings from Psalms on Thursday in Psalm 56 and 57. A person who has this vision of God is not devoted to a cause or to any particular issue. That person is devoted to God himself. And so ask yourself, our, my friend and co-worker Eric Thornton has, has asked this in messages before, and I've read it in other places as well, where, you know, the question is, is my faith in God or is my faith in what God will do for me? If you take away all those things, this is the question of Job. I've said it many times and look forward to preaching some from Job this summer. But the theme text of the book of Job and the study of Job is, is, is uh, verbalized by Satan himself, the adversary in Job 1 verse 9. When he God brags about Job to Satan and Satan says, does Job serve God for nothing? He says, take away all those things and he'll curse you to your face. And so God allowed Satan to take away all those things, took away his family, his children, his wealth, his reputation. Ultimately, he took away his health. And even when Job begged to die, God had actually put that limit on Satan and said, no, you can't take his life. Job had to learn that his trust was in God, even at those times when he couldn't understand God. And again, I, I think that's Satan's question. Does, will a person serve God for nothing? Does it, will a person serve God if there's nothing in it for them other than trusting in the one who created them? A person who has that vision of God, again, is not devoted to a cause or to a blessing or to any particular issue, but they're devoted to God himself. Uh, God may give you a time spiritually, uh, just as his son experienced during the time of temptation in the wilderness or in the pain of the garden of Gethsemane in that prayer. 
perhaps in the hurt that he felt when Lazarus had died and and he saw Mary and Martha and the others mourning so deeply. We talked about this in the sermon on Sunday, the great passage in John 11, verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, one of the most powerful, Jesus wept. Sometimes God will allow us and to go through things like that too. When God does that, Chambers writes, simply endure, and the power to endure will be there because you see God. You know that he's there, um, even if you can't feel him and it doesn't feel like um, he's there. Uh, our reach must exceed our grasp. I wouldn't come up with a statement like that. Chambers does it. I'm not sure I really understand it, but our reach must exceed our grasp. In other words, it's not just something that we can see or touch or feel or smell or any of the other ways that we try to prove with beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, our reach has to go farther than that. And it can if we're not trusting in the things that we see, but we're seeing him who is invisible, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11. And so Paul says in Philippians 3, I press on. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't arrived. We never will. We continue to grow in our faith, in our knowledge of God, and in, in the grace of Jesus Christ, as 2 Peter 3, uh, verses 17 and 18 so beautifully put it. If we have only what we have experienced, we have nothing. If that's all we're trusting in. Uh, but if we have the inspiration of the vision of God through his word, we have more than we can experience. Beware of the danger of trusting in those great mountaintop experiences. We all love them, and I wish we had them more. But I know that they're there for a reason. In one, one sense, church on Sunday is that. That's why we assemble together, because we need that encouragement. And we need that spiritual experience, and others around us do, and we need to be there for them. That's why it's so important to gather together. Um, but we realize that when we walk out that door, our devotion to God doesn't stop. When we walk out that door, we continue to hold him up in high regard and esteem and reverence. And whatever we go through that week, we do it with faith. Sometimes we're going to feel good about things, sometimes not. But our Christian life is not based on our emotion and how we're feeling. It's based on the truth of God's word. That's faith, trusting in him. And so when it's time to endure, um, we do that patiently. Like Habakkuk, we wait for God to act. We wait for God to bring vindication, for God to bring deliverance, whatever it is. Um, and that's the blessing that we have from God, knowing and trusting in him and him alone that he will make all things right. I hope and pray that whatever you're going through today, that your faith will be firmly in God and not just in your feel-good moments that God grants you. God is so much bigger, so much deeper, um, so much more trustworthy than that. And so look to God and give him all of those worries and all of those fears and all of those questions and all of those doubts because he's big enough to handle them. But remember, remember to have that great patience. That doesn't mean you don't care. It just means that you do. And you care about the one who is your creator and your savior and your deliverer in his own good time, in his own good way. And we'll trust him with that. I pray God will bless you today and every day. 
and I'll see you Thursday for our study in the Psalms.